2: It's Rust Belt Thursday.
0: Listening to Jeremy and Joe on Western New York Sports Giant, WGR Sports Radio 550.
2: Good morning. Welcome to the first ever Rust Belt Thursday. First ever. Jeremy White, Sal Capaccio is on the line as well. Hey, Sal, what's up? Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm ready to celebrate this Rust Belt Thursday, which... uh all right. We've dubbed it Rust Belt Thursday because we have guests from Detroit, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh, and I did a little bit of searching on the Rust Belt. I learned a little bit about the Rust Belt in the process. It makes sense. I mean, I guess I, it was one of these things that I knew, but I forgot that I knew that it was, of course, formerly the steel belt, and the Rust Belt indicates like the, the dyeing industries. Anyway, whatever. Um, mm. But if you look up Rust Belt, you get Allentown, Buffalo, Chicago, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Detroit, gary indiana philadelphia pittsburgh rochester toledo trenton and youngstown it's all you know it's like the the lake erie kind of uh whatever surrounding area and most of that so rust belt thursday feels good to be here on a rust belt thursday i'm excited to hear from andrew filiponi in pittsburgh he'll be at eight we've got a lions Uh. lions guest coming up at seven we've got a browns guest at nine and uh you know off we go towards towards this big big playoff weekend for all three teams
3: you that's funny you say that. Um Andrew actually it'll be the f- second time in like 12 hours I've spoken to him. In a while. maybe yeah because I uh, he was on our always game day pod, uh, Buffalo podcast last night with Matt Bove and me. Nice. It's funny you you know how this works like a lot
2: of times when you're booking guests you go you've reached out to a lot of the sideline reporters you you have met so many of these yep. people and established relationships and I have one guy. This will be kind of funny and it'll be it'll be true next week. I have one guy that I've been, I've been on his show 10 times, and he's been on the show 10 times, and that is Carrington Harrison in Kansas City. And the Bills and Chiefs have played a million times, Sal, so every every three weeks or five weeks or however often it is, he'll call me. He's also got a show on um, Sirius XM, and every time he wants to talk Bills, he calls me. Anytime I want to talk Chiefs, I call him, and I'm going to send him a message like, hey, we're going to talk next week, right? We're both going to be there ready for Bills Chiefs, so just funny how often these two teams have uh, crossed paths bills and chiefs and it, it, if everything goes well for each of
3: these teams it, it it seems like they will again so yeah well um i don't know if you and joe actually talked about this debated it discussed it yesterday but i do think it is you can make an argument either way for Bill, for bills fans on who you should root for on saturday night yes. do you not agree with that
2: i do agree yes that you could make a case either way um, especially if you, I mean, if you always are going to be of the Mahomes is Mahomes, you don't want to mess. You don't know, want to poke that bear. You'd rather face a Flacco team or a Texans team. I, I guess I would get that. But at the same time, I think the better chance of, I know what we're doing here. Hey, it's six Oh five in the morning and we're looking two games ahead in the playoffs, but hey, no, I, I get it. But the the best chance the AFC championship is here. I don't know, don't you think that involves not
3: Miami going to Baltimore? I'd want
2: Cleveland or Houston going
3: there with See? a chance to upset uh, uh, upset them. I 100% agree like that would be the case. But I'm telling you last night on our podcast, like Matt Bovee was adamant, like pounding the table adamant that that is the wrong call. You must root for the Dolphins because you 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 can't worry about any of that. Let it fall where they may. You want to face Flacco or a good CJ Stroud. I know that. You know, he's rookie of the year. He's, he's, yeah. he's looking great. But you'd rather see that than Mahomes in the second round. Well, like, and, I mean, his case and his compelling argument is right, which is if I told you at any point, starting the season, middle of the season, end of the season, that the three quarterbacks you could face in the second round of the playoffs would be Mahomes, CJ Stroud, or Joe Flacco. Like you are always putting Mahomes at the bottom of that list on who you'd prefer.
2: Yes. Until this season played out, all right. I've got mm-hmm. I've got a number for you on Mahomes and the Chiefs. It's not exactly okay. a good enough trivia question, so I'm a, I I, I kind of marked it as something to get to and maybe ask trivia on it. But I don't think it's easy enough trivia, so I'll just give it to you. Ian Harditz had this: the most consecutive games without 400 yards of offense. Remember, the Steelers had. Like 55 oh God, yeah. before they fired Matt Canada. The Steelers have more recently had a 400-yard game of offense than these teams. Okay, so these are the consecutive games without 400-plus total yards of offense. All right, The longest streak is the Patriots. We know how bad those they are, right? 23 games without 400 total yards. The Panthers are next, 18. The Raiders, the Broncos, the Jets, the Colts. And tied with the Colts are the Chiefs. The Chiefs have gone 10 consecutive games without 400 yards of offense. Josh Allen put up 400 yards of offense himself on Sunday night. And this is – that that's the version of the Chiefs that you're dealing with right now. So, I know. I I, I feel what Matt Beauvais is saying there. Like, hey, it is Mahomes. And I, it's funny. Like, I've got a couple things to get to about, like, who has most to prove and whose legacies could be defined in these playoffs. So, I – feel that but I feel like it's a lot like Brady last year where the Bucks were not good and Brady was not the same their offense was not the same he didn't get the help and you could have feared the Bucks in the playoffs last year but you didn't have to and sure enough they went out and they were not exactly a tough out so I, I tend to be with you on this that I'm not I mean th- then there's also Sal the added incentive of I just saw Patrick Mahomes is on route to his 10th home playoff victory and only mm-hmm. Tom Brady has more. So like I, I, <laughs> he's played well, so many home playoff games. I need to see him on the road once in my life.
3: Okay, well, to get it back here because I do recognize, you know, we don't want to look ahead. You have a Bills we can, right? We're on the radio. We always say that. But, you know, for anybody going, come on guys, come on. You got a game here. Let's swing it back to here because Jeremy, the only way, the only way that's prevented if they win is if the Bills win. Right. If, if Mahomes wins and the Steelers upset the Bills, Patrick Mahomes plays another home playoff game. I know, game and I'm going to be inconsolable. And then the Ravens will lose, and the AFC
2: Championship game will be in yeah. Kansas City again, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. won't watch it. <laughs> I won't be
3: able to bring myself mm-hmm. to watch it. So, anyway. So, it is on the Bills. It is up to the Bills to prevent Patrick Mahomes from playing another home game when it should be a road game. In the playoffs, should they obviously beat the Dolphins on Saturday night? Yep.
2: Well, pressure on the Bills. So yesterday, I was going to ask you, like, it's media day. We hear about the guys that are day-to-day. My first reaction on that, Sal, was, is that a playoff thing, or do you think they are legitimately day-to-day? You know how it goes. In the hockey playoffs, guys' injuries are even more vague, and mm-hmm. maybe you want to give up even less. So is it the kind of situation where because you don't know if you're playing for two weeks, you can be a, a bit more liberal with using day-to-day? Is that something that you've seen in practice before from from the Bills or from anybody?
3: I understand the theory. I would say no. Okay, good. In fact, I would even go further than that and say I, I think the Bills all year have been very, very – like upfront, honest whatever on all on the injury report and what i mean by that is like there's no secrets they're not like anytime i think early in the week well is he really day-to-day we like it's kind of played out like that like yeah he's day-to-day and then friday the guy practices you're like okay it was day-to-day right? i mean like you didn't think he would be um because you can kind of play games but i just don't think the bills are up for that they're like we're just we're not doing that like we're not gonna worry about it we're gonna Be honest, say what it is, and, you know, give you the right info because we're not going to play games with the league and have that come on us. And then look what happened with Joe Burrow, and then remember Joe Burrow, and then what happened the very next day. The Bills listed Josh Allen with his shoulder just to make sure, I think, like, hey, you know what? He's getting a little treatment. Let's just put him on there. He's he's getting, he's, you know, but he's going to be a full participant. I think even so much of that, like, they just don't want to play games. And and I think the Bills, if Sean McDermott says they're day-to-day, that's what I think they are, that he's saying they have a chance. Now, maybe today changes that. He could say, yeah, the guy's not playing. He's week-to-week after evaluating yesterday. That He could say that. But I do believe that, it does not matter that it's the playoffs. If he's saying there, these guys are all day today, then I think that all of them at that point have a chance to possibly play or not play on Sunday. Right.
2: Good. Well, that's good. I, I was wondering if you know it was. I was getting a little bit of false hope. Like I, I'm, I'm very invested on. I mean, as we all are, but Razul Douglas especially. Like if he's yeah. able to go, then I am as high on the Bills as I could be because he's been so important to this defense from. Whatever, just filling in for Tre'Davious White, getting takeaways at a level that, I mean, holy cow, he's he's been arguably a defensive MVP since he showed up for this team. So very invested in him because whether it's film study, just being a veteran, all the stuff he's been through. I uh, I'm hoping he's able to go more so. Not not that I'm trying to rank players, but to me, Tell, he's the most important. Your corner one, who was a big part of turning this defense around. Hopefully,
3: he's you know he's good to go. Well, I agree with you. I would say, though, that in this case, it does to me feel like you could, and I hate saying it like this, right? I don't want to feel like, oh, you don't have to. Re-. It's not disrespect to the Steelers, right? In their passing game, I guess it is. I guess it is. But what I mean, I'm going to say is I think you could get by in this game with against that team in these weather conditions without your corner one versus many other games. If they were going back to Miami this week, it would feel a lot different without Russell Douglas than playing home against the Pittsburgh Steelers in a, a cold, windy game. Fair enough.
2: And Tyrell Dodson, of course, at linebacker. Maybe that's that's a spot with this matchup that's, that's to uh, me more
3: significant, yeah. maybe in this game.
2: Yeah, yeah where
3: yeah. I would say the opposite if they were going back to Miami.
2: I get that. Well, eight hundred three hundred five fifty. If you want to join us on Bill Steelers, you can. I do want to get a quick thought in on the big news of yesterday. M- multiple. Big, big coaching moves. yeah. And we were waiting for the third one, the Belichick one, which still has not come. But the two, Pete Carroll won't be coaching the Seahawks. And Nick Saban won't be coaching Alabama anymore. He's going to be retiring. So maybe Saban's in TV. Carroll's going to be kicked up into some advisory role. And a lot of the reaction about Pete Carroll, I mean, I don't know, Sal. He is on what level of coach in the NFL? He's not on Belichick's tier. Is he Tomlin? I mean, in in Seattle, he's the best coach in the franchise's history. He delivered a Super Bowl. He went to two, and a lot of what I saw yesterday and read yesterday from Seattle was like this is this guy is a legend, icon, pillar of the of the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, for him to be stepping away is
3: mammoth news for that organization. Well, it's a good question. I've always felt that Pete got maybe more more love or credit or ranked higher than what he deserved for his accomplishments but he did win a super bowl um but i think jeremy it's the it's different of if you're asking me where he is in nfl coaching versus overall coaching like he's going to the hall of fame right he's going to the hall of fame his usc years count yeah that's right right? for his coaching resume so i think that's what kind of separates him from a lot of the guys that maybe else we'd be talking about and you know how you might kind of rank him here, or rank him there. You know he he was very successful in college. He was not successful his first time around in the NFL, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But remember, he actually was. By the way, do you know Pete Carroll coached in Buffalo? Do you know that?
2: As an assistant on whose staff?
3: 1984 defensive backs coach. Wow, he's been so around. that would have been Hank Bulla's staff. Case Stevenson. I'm thinking back, that would have been Kay Stevenson's staff. 1984. All right. And then he winds up being the head coach of the New York Jets and the head coach of the New England Patriots. He had two stints as head coach in the NFL, the Jets and the Patriots. Do you remember the infamous video of him giving the choke sign at the end of a game on the sidelines? Do you remember that? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I do. What was it for? Uh, um, the, They were playing a game. I think he was with the Jets at the time, I believe. It might have been the Patriots. I think it was the Jets. And I think the Dolphins kicker might have missed a field goal to win it. And he gave the choke sign. Wow. Like, you choked. <laughs> As the head coach of the team. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, he goes on. He goes to USC. And that's where he was wildly successful, obviously. Right? He goes to USC. And that's also where I think... A lot of his personality came out. He became this real player's coach. People loved him, the energy that he brought. And, you know, that carried over. And he goes to Seattle, and he changes the culture there because of it. So I really think, though, that the USC part of it, and I think also because he stayed on the West Coast, he goes to Seattle. So, Jeremy, I think the West Coast, the Pac-12, Pac-10, that area, they revere him much more than anywhere else would have in the country.
2: Well, his time in Seattle, Carroll averaged almost 10 wins a year. I'm looking at it's his whole, his yeah. full coaching resume, and in eighteen years, he only had four losing seasons, and they and his worst season was his first year, six and ten. He had a six and ten, two seven and nines, and one seven and ten. And that's it. The rest of it, he's a lot like Tomlin mm-hmm. that his teams might have overperformed, and we kind of saw that last year with Geno Smith. And then this year, they got off to a good start and kind of fell apart late. So, I don't know, he's, he's, he's got that image, right? The gum-chewing. Does he wear Air Monarchs or whatever? He's wearing white sneakers. We, we know that. Like, he's the 72-year-old guy that runs up and on the sideline like he's That's amazing. 42, it's amazing. that he's Him 42. and
3: Sabin, 72 yeah. years old.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Belichick didn't make his news yesterday just because, well, maybe he didn't want to get shown up, or maybe they haven't decided yet. Every day I'm waking up, I'm thinking, today's got to be Belichick Day. It's Thursday, Sal. Shouldn't they be making a decision? Shouldn't they be telling people what the plan is? You can't just kind of slow play this, or else you get to a spot where Belichick is back, I guess, and the assistants you might want to hire are already all scooped up. We're getting interviews all over the league. Here's the Bears requesting to interview Shane Waldron. He's the OC in Seattle. So the coaching carousel
3: has just started to kind of kick up. The Bears? The Bears, yeah. Wait, they don't have a HUD coaching opening. Though, no, right? they've they've the, asked he,
2: to interview uh, Shane. Oh, well, just, just like a lateral move. Yes, because the entire oh, oh I got you. I the got entire you. Seattle staff has been told it's okay to go look yes. for jobs.
3: So I Shane, Shane okay, Waldron, yeah, yeah. their OC, is looking for an OC job. Um, well, let me let me throw this out there. Maybe maybe the fly in the ointment from the pitch from the Patriots side is Mike Vrabel. Maybe they didn't expect Vrabel to be open, and now yeah. all of a sudden. What? Let's uh, let's hold on, Bill. Let's have a little bit more of a conversation here. I don't know. Yeah, May that that could all matter. But I, I do want to respect at least the fact that like this is such a delicate situation there. It really is. You know, it's, it's it's Bill Belichick. And I agree with you that you have to move on at some point or make a decision at some point whether you move on or not. But this is not your normal type of decision, normal type of person, what's going on here. So I think you need to at least give Belichick the latitude of trying to figure out what he wants to do if you haven't already made your decision to move on and then have a discussion about all of it altogether.
2: 803 550 2550 to join us here as we gear up for the playoffs. The latest on the weather, kind of give you an all-encompassing first segment before we dig into some of the stuff deeper. The latest on the weather, Sal, Cold and windy, it sounds like the likelihood of a major snow event is going to remain possible throughout, but not exactly likely that this lake Mm -hmm. effect band will set up south of the stadium. And if it moves, okay, but it's not exactly forecasted to be
3: over the stadium as of now. And windy can be a tricky term because, yes, windy, I mean, I I hate the wind. Like, that's, I I hate. That part of it for football, like I hate, I think that you know I'd rather have clean conditions, especially with this this part of the Bills, right? I know Josh Allen can still throw it in the wind, but man, I want to have a, a game where you could have an ability to you know just see the the air show with Josh Allen the passing game when those games are possible. Um So, I think the wind, you know, to me is always a a real big factor. But windy is also subjective. Uh, twenty to twenty five mile an hour gusts. Yeah, I mean it's windy, but. It's 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 not, you know, it's not Patriots Monday night. So let's see how high it gets. Now if you're talking fifty mile an hour gusts, um sustained thirty, okay, then we're we're pretty windy there. What are we looking at? And yeah, that's something to deal with. And the punt game's a little more tricky. So I wonder what are you looking at now? What does it say from what you said? And we're gonna have hammer on tomorrow, obviously, on the extra point show, but as far as the wind is concerned, what are you reading? Well,
2: gusts can be it depends. The latest is it'll be it'll definitely be windy. I see the term bitter cold. So, you know, you've got some players that'll have to decide what they want to do. Maybe the quarterback gripping the ball. Um, I, I'm not sure. I don't know Mason Rudolph's experience playing in the cold. Of course, Josh Allen. That, that's one of the things, Sal, about like playoff experience. This Bills roster has yeah. has a lot of playoff experience. And they also have a lot of experience playing in bitterly cold temperatures. They would have done it multiple seasons. Um It's the kind of thing where if a team's going to the Stanley Cup playoffs, you could say, like, okay, how many players on the roster have had Stanley Cup experience or football? You know, you've got a 53-man active roster. How many have been in a playoff game before? For these Bills, it's how many have played in a game that's under, you know, 18 degrees, and it's got to be most of them. I mean, maybe not Kincaid, maybe not Osiris Torrance, but, you know, for almost anybody else, Rasul Douglas would have done that. Micah Hyde, of course, a million times. I saw a funny quote from him. He's played so much time in the cold. When he left Green Bay, he told himself he was not going to play in the cold again, and then he'd go anywhere but Buffalo. And here he is <laughs> in Buffalo. So, <laughs> yeah, Mike Catalana <laughs> tweeted that out. Funny video of, of Micah Hyde saying That's that. That's Kind of walking away. So, it's not like you know you could you could make a point about how experience matters, but in conditions, you, you at least know what you're going to get. I've seen Josh Allen in the cold. I've seen Josh Allen in the wind. I've seen this offense in the wind, and I've seen it do just fine like there have been some windy days down there gusts of 25 degrees are not or 25 miles per hour 30 miles per hour and sometimes you get that in october november right and that's what i'm saying i had someone show me the wind map you can do this apparently of the last time the bills played the steelers a game in which the bills aired it out and dominated and that day there were gusts in like 30 to 35 miles an hour so it is the number one thing that affects a game is wind but yeah. This offense, I think, and you've been on the sideline. You can remember how gusty a lot of these games would be. How many times has it really been something that should have affected
3: the passing game and not the kicking game? It's probably a short list. For sure. Um, you know, and obviously you have other weather elements like the 2017 snow game. where right? You can't hardly see in front of your face. Uh, that's tough. Tough for people to move. Tough for people to throw the ball. But as far as wind is concerned, right, I mean, the one that comes to mind is, of course, the New England Monday night game. And that's the one that comes to mind. It is so rare to get something like that. Again, I don't think we're talking that. That would have been, like, yesterday or the night before here, right? The day before, whatever it was. Yesterday morning, like, uh, two days ago here, like, the wind that was going on and the, the damage it caused, unfortunately, around the area. That's that kind of game. I don't think we're looking at that. So, again, windy is relative. Windy is subjective. I don't like it for the fact that It is the ultimate equalizer. However, that said, didn't we learn in that Monday night game? And we know this, right? But wasn't it the Monday night game that really showed us? Dude, you have Josh Allen. Like, remember that the Patriots threw it three times. The Bills threw, I believe, 30 times. But, Jeremy, I don't think they threw it more than, like, 10 until, like, the fourth quarter, maybe. And finally, we're like, wait a minute. This guy can do this. Like, why have not they not been throwing the ball all game? Because he can throw into the wind. And I think it scares a lot of teams. Maybe that night it scared the Bills and Brian Dable, and then they finally said we shouldn't be scared of it. But I do think it it it's an advantage, and there's a theory that it could even widen the gap of the advantage yeah. between the Bills and the Steelers or another team when it's windy because you have Josh Allen and they don't.
2: Eight oh three oh five fifty counting down to game day as we get ready for Bills Steelers. From Highmark Stadium, and of course, we're all tracking the weather, see how things go. If you want to give us a call in the game, you can. So, coming up today, here's the schedule for today. We're going to talk with uh, Detroit, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. And at eight o'clock, it's Andrew Filippone. You talked to him on your podcast. We'll talk to him today. It's funny when I text him, I said, "The afternoon's got, afternoon guys got you yet? How many times are you coming on?" So uh, he'll come on at eight. We'll ask him if Pittsburgh wings are as good as Buffalo wings, which someone on his station said. So we'll ask him if he has, uh, I don't know, set the record straight with that guy. Uh, Nathan Zagura. Yeah, color analyst Dorn, Dickerson, Dorn, Dorn Dickerson, former Bill. Oh, there you go. Oh, well, even worse. Nathan Zagura is the uh, color analyst on the radio broadcast for the Browns. He joins us at 9 o'clock and then coming up at 7 o'clock to talk Lions, who have... Boy, I'm almost nervous for the Lions because of the game they have coming up. We have Corey Woods, who covers the, the Lions, mm-hmm. coming up at 7 o'clock. The Lions... I don't know, Sal. It's got a little bit of like Sabres-Eichel vibes a little bit because they traded away a guy that was supposed to be great for them and then he went somewhere else and he won. And the good news is the Lions are in a good spot. But, man, they finally get a playoff game. And if they lose to Stafford, I think I'll have to feel really, really bad for them because, well, I don't know. And losing to anybody would be tough, but losing to the former savior of your franchise, it would just be, I don't know, pretty complex. So... That's coming up at seven.
3: Uh, Corey Woods on the Lions, eight hundred three. And at seven thirty, I'm going to rank the eight job openings because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call the Patriots open even though it's not yet. Sure, right? But I I think I might have a little bit of a couple surprises in there. Like if I just said to you, "What's the top job?" We'll do this, or the worst job. I think you know I'm gonna have some good debate here because I I, I maybe maybe have a bit of a different list and spin on it than a lot of people would. So there's seven openings already in the NFL. I'm going to rank eight of them because I'm going to throw the Patriots in there. And when Andrew is on, I learned last night, Jeremy, you could speak to this. I learned last night about the chocolate footballs. I don't think I ever knew about the chocolate footballs. Is that Tomlin giving people chocolate footballs? Oh, no, no. It's the Bills. Back in the day, Bills PR. You don't know? I mean, I've heard this story. Maybe oh, I have. Oh, well, Andrew told a story on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo last night, and I don't want to ruin it, because, but I guess I will because we have to talk about it now. But it's on there. And I didn't realize, like, back in the day when he was in Buffalo, this is before I even got back to Buffalo, a couple years before that, under Dick Geron and around that time period, apparently, like, the Bills and PR gave away chocolate footballs for the holidays, but they only gave them to select media members, and that's how you knew if you were on their good list or not.
2: Wow. I never got I one. I did not know this. <laughs> I never got
3: one. I don't know they... That's amazing.
2: Yeah, chocolate footballs. How big were they? The size of a
3: football? I, you have to ask him. I don't I know do if they were it. really big, but 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 apparently he did not get any, and some other people didn't get any, and then other people did, and it was like a way for you to kind of know your standing. Interesting. Eight hundred three
2: hundred five fifty our phone number. Jeremy White, Sal Capaccio, sales in for Joe, who's out today. Um, you've got your coaching opening rankings. I've also got a way to look at the playoff field. Do this when we get back, if you want, Sal. See if you can. You can figure out how I have separated the playoff teams in two tiers. There are two tiers of playoff teams, and see if you can figure out exactly what it is in these tiers. 8030550 to join us to chat on Bill Steelers, on the weather, on the coaching openings. It's uh, all there for you here on WGR.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. They're playing good football. Again, I've said this before, you don't look at records. I mean, people could look at our record and say the same thing, right? Just in terms of, hey, well, they snuck into the playoffs, whatever. This is a good football team, undefeated under Mason Rudolph, and well-coached, playing good on both sides of the ball and special teams. So I think when you watch the last three games in particular, uh, they're playing high-quality football.
2: Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott on the Steelers. You know, Sal, I want to offer a quick thought on Sabin before we get to your Patrick, Patrick Hammer weather update, which is this. There's a little bit of a comparison here, here to be made. Hold on. like I'm going to do Saban and McDermott, but I'm going to do it. Saban's a defensive coach, right? A, d- a defensive coach. And if you look at his 50 years in college football, just look at his Alabama run. 50 years. Yeah, 50 years. His Alabama run early on was defined by defensive dominance. And Alabama games were boring. They'd win 13-6. to And over time, as the game opened up and offense got better and better, he evolved. He got five-star receivers. All of a sudden, Tua and Jalen Hurts, they started getting first and second round quarterbacks getting taken after Alabama really didn't have quarterbacks drafted at all in the draft. He evolved as a defensive-oriented coach that turned Alabama into, at different times, a scoring machine with lots of talent. So, you know, there's a defensive coach that I remember there was a there was an interview with him a couple years ago where he talked about how, oh, you got to go, go. You got to go. Yeah, you got to score points. It wasn't about defense. And I mean, fundamentals always important, but it was kind of like a guy who, who did kind of evolve
3: and change as the game changed. And that's to his credit, of course. I agree. hundred um, percent. A couple of things on this. First of all. The man started coaching the year I was born, <laughs> 1973. It's incredible. He was a GA that year at Kent State, I believe. You also know he did coach at Syracuse for a year, Jeremy. I don't know if you know that.
2: Did he coach here for a year, too?
3: What's that? Did he coach at He him? did not. I don't think he was here. No, yeah, I don't think okay. he was in Buffalo. He he was in, he was at Syracuse. He really didn't have much in the NFL. He did, obviously. He went to the Dolphins uh, as head coach. But to your point about evolving, it was also off the field. Do you know the famous, infamous story about when he left um, Michigan State. I don't know if you know this. I don't. I've, I may have mentioned it on the air before. So, and this is document. There's like, literally, I, I searched to make sure that I wasn't like making this up in my own brain or that like it was just some sort of myth. But I have a I have a story open from Sports Illustrated. I'd heard this story before, but it's it's written here. So when when uh, Nick Saban was hired to be the LSU coach, he went from Michigan State to LSU. He was doing a great job at LSU, or Michigan State, gets hired at LSU. When he got the job, he sent a private plane back to M- Michigan State East Lansing and basically said, "Hey, all my assistants, come on down." And apparently, the plane returned empty because he was so tough to work with that nobody wanted to work with him. And they gave up, by the way, an opportunity to go to LSU and win a national championship. Yeah. but that's that's in a it's 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 like a documented story. I mean, I like again, I don't know what about it's exaggerated or not, but I'm reading literally in Sports Illustrated, I'd heard that story. But my point is, like, he was really considered, like, they his nickname was No Thank You, Nick, or something <laughs> like that, like, yeah. just, the way he treated people. And I, I say this because I think over the years, he also, you know, if you I think he's evolved off the field. Like, a lot of the stories you hear and the way he treats people, it's just he understood, like, you know, how, how to navigate those waters a little bit better. I think he is one of the greatest football coaches ever, and maybe the greatest. I don't know. I know his st- time in the NFL was not good, so that dings him. And, you know, he... He is legendary for what he did in the college game and how successful he was, no matter where he went. I think that's you know great. Um, you know, I don't know how they follow him at Alabama. I think that's going to be really really hard. Obviously, you can't just follow Nick Saban. I think it's even it was way way tougher than following Bill Belichick, even with the New England Patriots. Yep. Despite all that, but yeah, Nick Saban. I mean, that's a that's a significant loss. And again, seventy two. It's amazing him at his age doing what he's doing. But um. You, the 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 word is, and I get this, like he didn't plan on retiring necessarily until very recently. And it just became too much with NIL and the portal. And I don't want to sound like old man yelling at clouds. It can sound like that. I get that. Like I get if you're in the 70s, heck, it's tough for me to keep up with that. And I don't love it, but I, I understand. And I'm all for the players getting the NIL stuff. I'm all for it. But man, can you imagine being a 50 year coach and so successful, and how you've built programs and recruited and kept kids in four years and all these draft picks, and the way that NIL is now in the portal and trying to navigate that—that's got to be hard for anybody, much less a guy like that.
2: Yeah, very much different landscape for sure. Eight oh
3: three oh five fifty.
2: All right, Sal, what's the latest from Pat Hammer?
3: Okay, Pat Hammer has texted me. He knows he's listening in this morning. So, here we go. Oh, you get the text. I don't Growing think, I, potential.
2: I don't, I don't get the text? Mm, interesting. Okay, fair. Fine. Ah, yeah, there you go. Right <laughs> no, right it's, now. Fine. it's fine. It's fine. He'll,
3: he'll have to loop you in. All right. <laughs> Growing potential for snow during the game. Mm-hmm. A lake effect snow band will be near the stadium, if not right overhead. So, steady or even heavy snow is possible. Temperatures will be in the mid-20s. Wind chills in the low teens. Wind speeds 20 to 30 an hour. Uh, the miles an hour with gusts of up to forty, and then he wrote, "It'll be kind of ugly."
2: Mm. All right. Wind and snow, snow whipping around the stadium, mm-hmm. like an aggressive snow globe, right? Like a snow yes. a snow globe while you're shaking it, not after you're shaking it, and it, it drops to the you're just
3: you're just constantly shaking. Okay. Well, that is uh, we'll decide. I just okay. don't love it for. I just don't love it for the. The game aspect, right? Like uh, the the Bills are the big favorite here. And I just think don't, a game like that, it takes one bad play to change it. It takes one bad play to swing the other way. And then a team like the Steelers will just grind you out and be like, ah, well, we got we got a four-point lead, so guess what? We are going to get this game down to zero each quarter, and that's it. I, I just it, – it bothers me. It scares me like that for the Bills. Yeah,
2: it M- makes sense why it would – I mean, it's an, it's a factor that is the underdog. You would say, "Oh, oh, good, that helps." That said, yeah. the biggest thing, you know, some people say the thing that beats the Bills is the Bills, and that's been true in games against the Steelers. The last couple times they've lost to the Steelers, why did they lose? One, there was a punt block for a touchdown, right? And red opening day a couple of years ago, red zone mm-hmm. possessions, I think or maybe zero for yep. five. And that's a game where McDermott was upset. They ran too many empty backfields after the game, or something to that effect. Like they didn't run the ball enough, or show the threat of a run.
3: And one a th- terrible fourth down call. Yeah, if you remember, like not the not the go or punt. They got, they went for it, and Dable called some sort of like pitch out to the outside. To and Matt Brady was weird. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So if there's a goofy play, that's one thing. The thing I'm wondering about for this game is um, when we talked yesterday. With Joe Marino, Lockdown Bills podcast, and we—I heard Dan Orlovsky say this: like, what the Steeler, what separates the Steelers is that they don't beat themselves. And the Bills, mm. let's be honest, there've been a bunch of games the Bills have beaten themselves. So if you're Pittsburgh, you play conservative, you play close to the vest, and you know you play defense, you punt, you don't throw interceptions, your quarterback's going to be very conservative. I guess the question I have is, how can the Bills make sure this isn't a game where their mm, penchant for being sloppy shows up because sloppy is what got ken dorsey out and joe brady in right drop passes fumbles on the opening drive interceptions off of hands we've seen a kick return for a touchdown against this team it's just against new england like how do we how does sean mcdermott kind of dial it in if 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 there's even a way to do it you just kind of you know i guess trust the process but sloppy has been a problem for this team and if there's a game script that includes pittsburgh winning it, it it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of sloppy for the
3: bills yeah i agree i mean and of course you have josh allen who could make a bad decision or bad you know throw that has happened and more of a bad decision right and trying to be a hero hero josh which like last week i i don't have a problem with the second interception the arm punt, you know, and it's probably actually more, if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, you'd say he, Deshaun Elliott should have knocked it down instead of intercepting it. Like that was more of the the bad part about that play. But the first interception wasn't good. And then not taking care of the football when, you know, he got sacked. Those are the things that people point to. And I'm, I, I, look, Josh Allen led the league in, in in touchdowns, and he deservedly so is an MVP candidate. Um, So overall, like you take all that stuff. I'm the first person to ever say that. But in a game like this, one play like that, could be the difference so you have to make sure he knows like you don't need to do that this team that you're playing will not beat themselves and they should have trouble scoring against the Bills defense right i mean they should have trouble scoring against the Bills defense you would think even with Mason Rudolph playing pretty well getting the ball to receivers like you your defense the way they play versus this team should be able to don't give them those extra opportunities so i agree with you like though that's what it could come down to is one play here one play there and you have to be smart you just can't can't let that happen in this game
2: Eight oh three oh five fifty. I'll get you my six teams from the playoff field that have something in common, and see if you can uh, get the, the the common thread here. When we get back, then we check in with Detroit. They've got a game against the Lions that'll be top of the hour. Andrew Filippone from Pittsburgh on the Steelers and how much of a chance they might have to win this game, especially with their third-string quarterback who has yet to lose a game as a starter for them this season. Jeremy and Joe, but Sal's in for Joe today. Joe's out sick. Sal's in, and uh, you can give us a call eight zero three zero five fifty on Rust Belt Thursday as we check in with Detroit, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh here on WGR.
1: Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team
2: All right, Sal, here's the challenge I have for you. Okay. I made a list of teams. This came to me as I watched the Bills playoff hype video. Steve Tasker, National Treasure, Steve Tasker. In the, in, I have not watched oh, it yet. I know no. it's out. It's. It, you can see it. So it's cool, the Bills hype video. And it reminded me that at one point, the Bills were thought of as the best team in the league, right? Right after they beat Miami, it was the Bills offense is on fire. They're unstoppable. They're the best team in the league. And then I thought, How many teams in the playoffs, it's a long season, how many teams in the playoffs at one point were thought to be or considered to be the best team in football? I came away with six and a maybe on a seventh. So I wonder if you can get the same or how many you think, how many teams in the playoff field at one point were considered the best team in football? One point this season. This season. The Bills is the first one, right? Like I just mentioned, when they beat Miami, sure they were they were thought of as the best team in football. Who else has a claim? What this kind of gets to is, who has a ceiling like that? You got to
3: how many teams? I got six and a seventh-ish. Five, six. I bet you... Uh, I have seven. Okay, who are they? Maybe an eight-ish. Okay, uh, yep. well... Okay, I have a se- I have seven, but maybe an eighth-ish. Okay, you ready? Yep. I'll run through mine real quick. I'm going to start in the AFC. I have four. Okay. Bills, Ravens, Dolphins for sure. Yep. And I think the Chiefs probably were, even though they never really, like, I think in the early pe- early season, people would still say, it's Mahomes, it's Reed. Ah, they're still really good. After they lost that first game, they bounced back. Let yep. me see what their record was real quick here. Uh they were, yeah, then they were, yeah, absolutely. They were one, two, three, four. They were six and one. Yeah, there's six. no doubt.
2: Uh, so and that, then, that, that's probably right. Like, I thought the Chiefs were also my probably because they did lose their <laughs> opener, but they get a lot of benefit of the doubt. But there's no doubt the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Ravens each spent time thought of
3: as the best yep. team in the league. In the NFC, I mean, you might think San Francisco is now, so that's one. Dallas for sure was considered that at some point. Yep. Philly was considered that at some point when they were yep. kind of rolling a little bit and they're in the middle of the season. And I think there was a brief, brief, brief hot moment where Detroit was.
2: Hmm. I didn't have Detroit. I only that. We agreed on the seven. I didn't have Detroit. I had, I had seven and my iffy one is, is Dallas. Like, because Dallas would have been good, but they, you know, they had the same, they had the same Nick against them that the dolphins, which was, they didn't beat anybody good. And then when they went and played somebody good,
3: they got destroyed by the, by San Francisco. But, Jeremy, but, Jeremy, when they were, after they beat Philly, okay, they were 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, yeah. and 3, and they were rolling teams, and they had scored 33, 41, 45, 33, 49, 43. Like, that, I think at that moment, it, there was all the talking heads that I saw were like, is Dallas the best team in, in, the, in the NFL? And I, I, I think they were considered that by people. Yeah.
2: eight oh three oh five fifty. It did remind me, though, that playoff hype video, because you know, the Bills have been kind of scrapping and battling for the second half of the season that there was a time that they were in the sun, thought of as clearly the best team in football. Right after Miami dropped seventy, the Bills won and waxed them. And it was like, Oh, all right, there you go. The Bills are the best team in football. Then of course, uh, that drifted for a bit. You can give us a call, eight oh three oh five fifty-one eight 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 five fifty-two five fifty as we prepare for Bills and Steelers. We'll check in with the Steelers. Side of things coming up at eight o'clock, but next we've got a quick visit with Detroit and uh, what the Lions are looking at this week. I think as a intrigue matchup, it's the best one of the opening weekend. The Rams, who have been a surprise good team, the, the Rams. Here's a stat on the Rams for you. <laughs> it's kind of counterintuitive or whatever. It's it's against what people think. Sal, so Here's a fun fact for you. It's not our stat of the day. I've got a better stat of the day coming up. Do you know the Rams lead the league in rookie? I'm sorry. No, no, that's right. The Rams lead the league in rookie contract snaps this year. Hmm. That's the team that. Yeah, everyone... I know they had a,
3: a pretty good reset there. It, they also have some veterans, but yeah, I know that they were very young going in. So
2: it's rookie contracts. That's anybody on the first, second, third, or fourth year of a of a rookie deal. It's not just mm-hmm. rookies. Rookie contracts. The Rams are first in the NFL. That's a team that has this reputation of you know screw those picks. We don't need picks, and here they are. Mm-hmm hitting and getting contributions at the number one rate in the league, number one in rookie contract snaps this year. Would you like to guess where the bills are? Rookie contract snaps for the bills.
3: Well, let me think a little bit here. Just think about rookies. uh, Second year, third year, fourth
2: year. Like Gabe Davis is on a rookie contract, so... That year... Oh, rookie... Co- okay, yeah. It's all, I yeah, it's, it's, ru- rookie, it's rookie, rookie contract. contract.
3: Yes. Right. The Rams are number Gay one Davis, in... James Cook has been there. Dalton Kincaid is there. Um, yeah, I mean... Osiris Torrance. Who else? Uh, A.J. Sarah Epinesa. Torrent, uh, Christian Christian Benford. Yep, Epinesa. Terrell uh, Bernard. Um, oh, you know what? It's not bad, but probably middle of the pack. I'd say middle of the pack. It's 15, 16. They're 30th. Wow. 30th. Okay.
2: It's not really... I'm not trying to make a point here. Just that, that's where they are. if you think you look at the Bills and think it's something that when we get to the off season, hey, it's time to get younger, it is. Like that's a that's a really good indication. Yep. The Bills, the Dolphins, and the Bengals are the bottom three in the NFL at rookie contract snaps. So teams that uh, might be ready to get younger, and the Bills have the draft capital to do it this year. So that's for after the you know the postseason ends but I found it interesting. Eight oh three oh five fifty on those Rams and Lions. When we get back, big matchup. Corey Wood's going to join us from Detroit as we uh, chat about it. Jeremy and Sal, and Sal's eight coaching opening rankings at 730 as well. Your calls if you want to jump into here on, uh, we're calling it Rust Belt Thursday because we're talking Lions, Browns, Steelers, and, of course, Bills on WGR.